Hi, and welcome to American Scuttlebutt. I'm Miss V here with Mr. D, and we're going to be talking about all of the important Florida EOC topics. Today, we'll be talking about the 1920s. And Mr. D, say hi. 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 What are you going to talk to us about today? Well, today, well, you know, you brought up the topic 1920s. And so today, we're going to take an in-depth look at um, the Scopes Monkey Trial. It's about monkeys? It is. <laughs> kind of. It kind of is about monkeys. Um, it's a 1920s trial that occurred um, like right in the middle, 1925. And uh, what do we know about the 1920s? Like, what, what should the kids know about for the EOC when they think of the 1920s? Flappers. Sure, flappers. A lot of things. Changing culture. Ch- changing culture, right? You've got, uh, on one hand, uh, social ills during the progressive era, right, that we spoke about before. And those ills are starting to be fixed by the government, right? Right. And we've got more population increasing. We've got a more diverse population. We just got out of World War One, So the United States is, of course, uh, uh, um, affluent, is making money. Uh, and, and more and more we're seeing this change in morals because we've got more, um, what do you say, more uh, uh, population and diversity interacting with each other. So in the 1920s, these social ills, some people feel, more conservative people feel, that there was a plague on the society. And government intervention is maybe part of the reason. Maybe part of the reason is we've gotten away from the church and we've gone towards more secularism. Do you think that it's also psychological? How so? Like, I'm thinking that World War I came right before this and that was traumatizing for a lot of people. And I think it also maybe made people not as, um, not as reliant on the church and things like that when horrible things happened to them, like, like warfare, right. Or losing someone in the war. Um, so maybe that had something to do with it too. Kind of just like young people came back from the war and they're like, whatever, I can do whatever I want. Like I just lived through this. I'm going to party and do, and you know, wear my dresses short and dance and whatever. Sure, and their their family members, you know, uh, had the same experiences, and they know that life is short, and they know that, uh, you know, they're living in a time period where things are going faster, cars are getting faster, you could get uh, from point A to point B quicker. Um, like I said, it's a more affluent society, and certainly, I think the psychology of it post the horrors of World War One uh, in context, you're gonna you're gonna see that the modern world clashing with uh, the old world. Uh, and in this case, modernism, you know, and science with fundamentalism, right? That term, I think, is pretty key for this. What is fundamentalism? Fundamentalism is the liter- literal translation of the Bible. Is that not? Oh, yeah. I'm just testing you. you can, that's fine. Test me all, all you want. I'm ready for you. I think. I know. <laughs> and that's You're fun, an that, that's what that's a, not an expert, but but we, but of course we play one here. Uh, and like I said, fundamentalism is the um, interpretation of the Bible as something that is uh, is real, hundred percent, and you have to take it as literate. So during this time period in 1925, Tennessee is where we're going to start the Scopes Monkey Trial. You've been to Tennessee. I've been there a few times, actually. How has it? How's been your experience in Tennessee? What kind of country is it? Um, usually it's driving through Tennessee to get somewhere else. 
but I have been there a few times um, as a kid in um, like Pigeon Forge. Okay. That was fun. Rural. Parts that are rural, like rural, like you went to, sorry. Yeah, I thought you said world. No, yeah. no, rural, rural, rural. Yeah. some parts that are, that are very rural, like any state, of course, and mountainous state, and so you've got cities and you've got country, and you've got a, what, we, country. what we call the Bible Belt kind of running through, you know, those areas where you've got some isolated areas that haven't seen um, necessarily the, uh, the the modern day yet. Um, again, keep in mind, later on, we're going to talk about the Tennessee Valley Authority, the TVA. In context, right? Great Depression. Right, the Great Depression. Later on, the New Deal is going to come in to bring electricity to a lot of these places for the first time. So there's this senator, and his name is Senator Butler. And Senator Butler is going to pass what's called the Butler Act, which is teaching evolution is a misdemeanor in Tennessee. That's pretty serious. It it is. Now, misdemeanor, of course, is not a felony. It's a lesser charge. And in this case, if a teacher taught evolution, just the idea of evolution alone, and of course, we know that from uh, Charles Darwin and the idea of adaptation, um, the idea that man came from what? Um, monkeys. Monkeys, right? Monkeys. Right, they have a similar, what is it, a similar relative? Yes, uh, yeah, you know, they don't know necessarily about DNA, but genetically they're similar in the idea that the, the monkey evolved then into uh, humans. And if a teacher taught this only as the only um, way, you know, uh, to, to describe creation, the teacher would be fined between $100 and $500. Is that back then money? Yeah, back then money, yes. That's a lot of money, back right, then in money. the 20s? Yeah. yep. And, and it, there could be uh, jail time as well. So you, wow. t- you typically think like, that's probably about $5,000 today. I mean, for a teacher. That's salary, a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And again, keep in mind, these but are, could, my ahead. question is, I don't know if you researched this, but what if you taught evolution and like a Christian understanding of where people came from? Very interesting. Very, very, same consequences? Well, that's going to be part of the actual trial itself. Is that so? Very smart, very good. Um, the this is conservative fundamentalism, and the idea, and you just said it. A teacher, part of the law was a teacher cannot deny the biblical account. So if a teacher only taught one thing, or denied the biblical account, or only taught evolution, okay. So that was part of it. Now, Mr. Butler himself did, claimed to never even know. Like, imagine nineteen twenty-five. Origin of the species has been out for decades. He didn't know what evolution was. The center. Okay. Didn't know what it was. But he said, this is a quote from him, again, the guy who made the Butler Act, uh, saying that teaching evolution is illegal. He said, he read it in the paper that children were saying that the Bible stories of creation were nonsense. That's all he read. That's it. And he said, he didn't like that. He didn't want that them. That was enough. That was enough. He said he didn't want them going home saying the Bible was nonsense. So he pushed it through the Tennessee uh, state legislature. And he said, I really didn't think anything would come of it. But it did. So um, he passed it. And that act uh, was not repealed. This is going to give away a little bit of the trial. Not repealed until 1967. That's way later than I would have thought. Way later. It's not until 1967 when this act is repealed and taken off the books. Um, of course, 
this brings up some some issues. Uh, you know, no teacher had been charged with anything yet, but one group was very upset. They were created in 1920, and they are the ACLU. A- ACLU. And can you tell us a little bit about that, Miss Velasquez, Miss V? Miss V, can you tell us a little bit about the ACLU? Um. The ACLU, American Civil Liberties Union. Um, shoot, I was. There's a woman who helped found it, and oh. I don't remember her name. <laughs> I can give you some clues. I can't see you. It's Helen Keller. Yeah, you go. <laughs> <laughs> and there's another one yeah, too. It's Helen Keller. There's another one it, too. Like, went out. Sorry, sit, go ahead. An- another female as well. Um, and if you were in trouble, I'd give you shelter. Jane Adams. Jane Adams, that's right. Good job. Yeah. I those think two. she was who I was thinking of first, but yes, Helen Keller also. Yes, those two. And uh, so the ACLU is, of course, a nonprofit, um, and their goal is to defend the individual rights and liberties of every person under the Constitution. That's their original idea as a watchdog, um, and originally from freedom of speech for anti-World War I protests. That was the original right. intent, right? Um, and they would stick up for anybody if their rights or privileges were being taken away. That's their beginning. They are up in, up in arms. They want to they stop this law saying that it's wrong because it's against freedom of speech. So Dayton, Tennessee. Dayton, Tennessee is the next thing, Miss V. And their last sense, census, of course, which is like, you know, how many people are in, ten- in Tennessee, but specifically here, Dayton, Tennessee, small, small, little, because um, Dayton is also another, there's another city named Dayton, right? Do you know that Ohio. one? Ohio. Ohio, representing Ohio. Dayton, Tennessee, named after Dayton, Ohio. What? Odd, weird. Why would they do that? I don't know. They couldn't think of their own name? <laughs> exactly. They just took it. <laughs> uh, the last cen- census, uh, and this is like currently... <laughs> Dayton, Tennessee has 7,191 people in it. Oh, my gosh. I feel like we have more kids at our school than I know, I know, I know. And, and back then, it was, it was less, obviously. But a local businessman hoped to drum up support for the town. Like, that's all he wanted to do. So he wanted to get attention, so he contacts the ACLU, knowing that they were upset about this law. And he thought, hey, let's uh, start a trial. Let's see if we can get a teacher to admit to teaching only evolution. <laughs> I love it. What teacher would do this now? Let me just cause a, a ruckus and, and, and bring up a trial where I'm going to be used as kind of a scapegoat. And this is, of course, John Scopes. Right. John Scopes is a high school science teacher. Not even, not even teaching biology. He's, isn't, okay, was he a substitute? Uh, he might have been at one point, but he was, he was teaching at the time uh, at a, the local high school math and physics. Okay. Um, he agrees, and, and he's questioned and beforehand and can't remember if he even taught evolution. They went back to some of his students, and they said, well, maybe. So yeah. they, they don't even know if he even taught it or not. But he says he did because he wanted to you know, be a team player. <laughs> Great, crazy. Already, it's ridiculous. Uh, so they're drumming this up. For the prosecution, though, now they take some, some real important players come to Dayton for this trial. You're going to have lawyers now. And for the prosecution... Our good buddy, our good friend. William Jennings Bryan. William Jennings Bryan from the 1896 election ran for president three times, nominated, three times lost, across the cross of gold speech. He's older at this point, and he's been, uh, let's see, how do you put it? He's been like in the spotlight for writing books that are um, anti-evolution, pro-Bible, 
uh, and uh, he wrote a book um, recently, or at least at the time, in the 19, teens and 20s, uh, discussing anti-Bible feelings that are running through the country. And this goes along with our, you said earlier, the idea of World War I bringing maybe the fears people had and the worry and the, you know, questioning even if, is there is a God and, and should we care, right? So these are questions that fundamentalists are attacking and saying, no, 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 there is a God. And anti-fundamentalists or science people saying, no, there's another way to think of it. This is the clash. They hire William Jennings Bryant for the trial, on the other side, for the scope side, the defense, Charles Darrow. That's an important name in, in the law game. Oh, I don't know who he is. That's okay. For uh, law studies, our law studies kids and court procedures kids will know this. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know if he's in the court <laughs> Maybe they don't. But, but he is a famous guy. He's a famous attorney. Um, and... He's kind of like, I'm trying to think of who like a famous attorney is nowadays. Uh, all I can think of is, you know, the lawyers on court. Do you even have a court TV anymore? Do they even have that channel? I, I don't CNN, know. Who they, has cable? Who, right, right, who does? Who can, judge Judy. Maybe it's Judge Judy is the best example. But she's a lawyer. She ain't even, she, she's a judge. Anyway, Clarence Darrow, of course, is, yeah. uh, <laughs> is the one we're talking about. And he, famous attorney being brought in to defend the scopes anti-evolution, and his goal is to debunk fundamentalist Christianity. He is an agnostic. Uh, and so you get these two, you know, uh, kind of like lawyer lions at the time going head-to-head with each other in their later years. Trial starts. How does a trial start, Miss V? <laughs> uh, I don't know. What are you asking uh, me? Please what rise, I guess. What do, what do they do? Say the Pledge of Allegiance or something? Do they? I don't know. I don't know. This trial starts, ironically, with... <laughs> With, what does this trial start with? A prayer. Uh, Of course it does. Of course, right? Thousands pour into the town. There's concessions. There's a carnival. They had like, you know, like jugglers and stuff come into (laughs) this place. Um, Darrow, of course, his argument was similar to yours, which was this act only says that there's only one view somebody can have. And that in itself is against freedom of speech. So that's probably the most important piece. The other piece is he calls William Jennings Bryan to the stand. And when he does this, he calls him as a Bible expert and he questions him uh, on Bible and making sure that he doesn't know anything about science. Jury hears the case. This goes on for a couple of days. Jury hears the case and they deliberate. Like, what, what do you think is a typical, like, how long is a deliberation for a jury last? I've never been on a, jur- a jury duty. You've never been to jury duty? No, no. Have you? Yeah. Really? Crazy. How long does it take? Do you have to deliberate or anything? No, I didn't get chosen. There you go. Not the chosen. These, these... <laughs> I was an undesirable. There you go. But um, how long do I think they deliberate? I yeah. don't know. Maybe like an hour or so. Yeah, an hour. You would think they would take time. This was nine minutes. <laughs> nine, nine minutes. And they found Scopes guilty and he got a $100 fine. I mean that's not so bad. You said didn't you say it could go up to two hundred? Up to five hundred. Oh, did the ACLU pay his fine? That I couldn't find. I couldn't find that. Interesting. I, my, my guess would be I would hope so. Um, yeah, because that'd be pretty pretty crappy, right? Um, but again, he he it, they wanted to make sure that Scopes um, did he break the law? Yes, the way the law was. What they should have done is went to try and repeal the laws. What they should have done. Um, a day later, William Jennings Bryan dies. 
was covered in the national papers and I found an interesting quote from Brian, you know, part of why he was doing what he was doing. This clash and conflict of morals versus science in the 1920s, people trying to figure out all this new information that they're getting. Science, he says, is a magnificent force, but it does not teach morals. Mm. I don't know. You know, at the time, it probably, you know, wasn't. He was afraid for the youth of America and them uh, falling to, you know, uh, bad moral behavior. But I believe this, you know, this shows the chasm between, between the, the city and the rural, the Bible and the science, and kind of the time period, you know, in itself. When we think of the 1920s, you said earlier, this is a time of uh, speed and people questioning and uh, moral judgments. You said flapper dresses, you know, morals coming into question, how, how women should dress, what jobs they should have, should they be educated, uh, minorities as well. Um, and so we're going to see a lot of um, strife and a lot of uh, more equality come throughout the time period of the 1920s. That is the Scopes Monkey Trial. What a great example of modernism and clashing with traditionalism and fundamentalism. Yes. And all that good stuff. That is great. Remember that one for the EOC kids because uh, they, they always have something on – some of the, hopefully it's on there, right? Maybe maybe it's not. No, it is. That's a that's a good one. Good example. Thank good job, you. Mr. D. Thank you. Yay! Yay! Yay. We clap. Yay! <laughs> Thanks, Ms. V. So, what do we got coming up next? The next, uh, segment. The next part is history crush. Ooh. Ooh. And and in history crush, what we do is we take somebody from the same time period, and one of us, in this case, Ms. Velasquez, right, Ms. V. Right, yep. Ms. V uh, has researched and found one person that she's crushing on this week in the time period. Somebody we got to know for the EOC and in context. We'll uh, we're gonna help you guys remember this person coming up next. All right, so Ms. V, are you ready? Wait, are you ready? Oh, that's right, I'm asking you the questions. I, 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 yes, uh, yes. Uh, that's exactly it, because let's not forget here, you know, this is also a, a round of, like a game, right, that we play, where yes. you have questions, I have to guess who the crush is in this time period. Right, and so the, the first question, the first clues will be harder, and it gets easier as we go on, so you get three clues. Three. And hopefully by the third one, you can figure out who it is. Okay. Ready? Are you ready? Um, yeah, let's, let's, also, let's also let everybody know that Miss V always gets these in the first. I could say like one That's word and she gets it. <laughs> I'm not as good at this, but uh, but uh, l- let's just say I'm awesome at this. And let's go ahead and uh, let me have some confidence. Let's go, Miss V. What do you got? What's the, what's the first clue? Okay, are you ready? Miss V, you ready to this go? This person. This person. Oh, it's a person. Okay. Oh, sorry. You can't hear me. No, I heard you. I'm just repeating. It's a person. You're just ignoring me. It's okay. Never ignore um, you. This person. Fled to Mexico in 1917 to avoid being drafted into World War One. All right, so let me think this one out because uh, you know I just want to don't want to just guess. You know, we we we're, we're thinking things out. This is the EOC, so we want to think things out. This person drafted. They're drafted. They're a male. They were um, not drafted, but well, they are a male. Well, they well they well, could have been drafted, but they went away to to Mexico. So if they could have been drafted, they're a male. 
Um, if they could have been drafted, I'm going to guess they're also white, probably. Um, if they're a male, I'm going to guess that they're also were not, um, wouldn't be a president or something that, that ran away. Um, I'm going to say that uh, it's 1917, so they're they're against the war, I'm going to guess. And if they go to Mexico, huh, interesting. Um, I'm going to say it's a some kind of rebellious person for the time period. Um, I'm going to say, mm, no, it can't be. Mm, I'm, not, I'm not good at this. Um, nah, he would have been too old. I can't pick Just him. Just take a guess. I was going to say Eugene Debs. He's too old. Forget that. That doesn't He's count. He's too old. He's, He's way too old. old. But it's got to be somebody from the 1920s, not a musician. Um, what else was the window? Uh, uh, oh, wait. Um, no. Could it be? Um, F. Scott Fitzgerald. It's not. Ah. <laughs> you have to listen to the second clue now. Okay. Okay. Hold on, I gotta read my clue. It doesn't make sense. Okay. Because they were involved, I'll say he, because you know it's a he now, because yep. he was involved in left leaning radical politics. Oh, it's not because. I'm sorry, I can't read my own clue. It's it okay. says he became, not because, became involved in left leaning radical politics after seeing how poorly workers were treated. Okay, so. Poor workers. Uh, he becomes more leftist in the night. I'm trying to see if this is a person that's important in the 1920s or maybe after in the 1930s. But if it's labor in the 1920s, oh man, I just becomes more leftist and radical and radical after seeing how laborers are treated. Laborers aren't treated very good uh, during this time period. Uh, Not at all. At least, especially in the 1917s here. Um, gosh. I, I promise you it's someone from the 20s. Okay, and you promise it's somebody I've heard of? <laughs> it is. It is. I think the last clue will give it away, but I, you might be able to get it before. I'm not. I'm not. This is not my, my, my subject. Uh, I'm going to say it is... I, no, I need another one. I can't. I can't. I can't even. Can't even think it out. Uh, labor in the 1920s. Let's see. Uh, ACAA, AFL, CIO doesn't come in until World War II. Um, the um, Knights of Labor. I don't know if they're like big at this point. It is what? What are you laughing at? You're la- laughing at me. Oh man, it's sad. I don't know. Gosh. All right, give me a third. Give me a third clue, Miss V. Okay. I think you'll get it. I'll okay. Third clue. Okay, because this should be easier now at this point. <laughs> When he was on trial for murder, he was put in a cage. When, oh, wait. Tried for murder? Okay. He was tried for murder. Right, nah. I'll, t- I'll give you like an, a clue and a half, like a half okay. clue. I got, I got it down to two people, so go ahead. Yeah, he's one of a pair, so it's one <laughs> Actually, or the now other. I got, now I got it down to three people, but now back to two. Um, yeah, I was going to say this last time. I was going to say it's either Sacco or Vanzetti. Yes, it is <sighs> one of them. <laughs> but I, I, I didn't, I didn't want to say that. I should have. I should have said it. You, this, this is this, what you do, kids. You go with your gut. And my gut said Sacco Vanzetti, but I wasn't sure which one, so I didn't go for it. So this is a guess now, totally. I'm going to go with Sacco. No! Ah! <laughs> it was Vanzetti. Vanzetti. Bar, his first name's Bartolomeo? Bartolomeo. 
Yeah, there you go. <laughs> ben Zeddy. Yeah, he um, immigrated to the United States when he was, I think it was 20 or early 20s anyway. And he becomes very involved. We know him as an anarchist, but all those kinds of like radical politics um, because he works all those terrible jobs that immigrants would work at the time. Right. And he sees how terrible it is in the United States. And he's like, wow, this is not what I signed up for. America treats them, treats everybody terribly unless you're rich. Um, and so when he's arrested, he's targeted, one, because he's an immigrant, and two, because he's an anarchist. He's a radical. So he was an easy target for this crime, which most historians agree he probably did not commit. But Sacco did. Yes. <laughs> what it was a like friend. One of, like, wasn't one more guilty than the other? Yeah, one of them probably most likely did it. They, they went back and did, like, I don't want to say DNA testing, but um, at least fabric testing. It might have been hair or clothing. I can't remember which. Um, but yeah, that one probably did and, and the other one did not, uh, he had more of an And they're album. both executed. That's the sad part. Yeah. And the, the other person I was thinking of, which comes a little bit later was the, uh, Rosenbergs and that's, that's later. Uh, that's a good one. Yeah. The Rosenbergs, uh, later on where, um, one of them definitely was a spy and the other one was not. And when you give the other one up and uh, husband and wife executed together. That's just in context of all the executions we're going to learn about. And you're looking at a picture of Sacco and Vanzetti. Yeah. Um, Vanzetti is the one with the mustache. Okay. I just feel like everyone should know that. Because if you look up Sacco and Vanzetti, my students always ask me, which one's Sacco? Which one's Vanzetti? Yeah, and you know. Vanzetti's the mustached one. So now you know. Great job. Thank you, Ms. V, for another Thank successful you. You won. history cry. I, I won. Yeah, barely. Yeah, got- so yay, applause. Yay. yay. Yes, that's another thing. Good lesson, Miss V, is, uh, you know, keep trying and don't give up. There you go. You'll eventually get it. Love it. Next up. Yeah, I was about to say, up next. What's up next? What is it, Mr. D? What is it? Is it Florida Florida Fruit Fruit? There you go. Florida Fruit Fruit. Well, we take on, and Miss V's is her week, we take on an aspect of Florida. Very excited. She's been very excited about this all week. Um... We take an aspect of Florida history, bring it to you from this time period, and that is uh, specific for the Florida EOC, the end of course exam for U.S. history for our students. Let's hit that music for the Florida frou-frou. All right, Ms. V, we're back. Woohoo! Florida Woo- frou-frou time. Woohoo, frou-frou. Frou-frou, again, is extra. This is the, the extra bit, right? Yeah. This is like the fun part at the end where we get to talk about our home state. Good That's old right. Florida. It's, it's like, you know, when you have a dessert and <laughs> I always bring up desserts and you put the extra on top, right? Yeah. There you go. So what's the topping today, Miss V? I'm so excited because today I'm talking about prohibition in Florida. Um, prohibition. What's prohibition, Mr. D? Wow, you always got me on the spot. Yes, prohibition is anti-alcohol temperance. We called it back in the old days in the 1800s. Prohibition is government now intervening and making prohibiting the sale, manufacture, trade, or transport of alcoholic beverages. Now, some people had uh, you know a, a pass on this, obviously, because uh, we had a lot of Catholics at the time, so they were able to have their wine on Sundays. Oh. Good for them. There you go. Um, and the prohibition becomes a nationwide um, 
law because of the 18th Amendment. Do you know what year the 18th Amendment was passed? 1920? Yeah, you're right. Yay, 1920. Yay. There you go. Yeah, it was passed in 1920. Um, but one thing that I learned that I didn't know was that Miami was like the center for bootlegging. Interesting. Uh, alcohol, which I guess shouldn't be surprising. Why? Um, Why is it not surprising? Water, and it's easy to smuggle up from the Caribbean islands. Right. Um, and later, right, later in American history, we're going to see Miami, like in the 80s, be associated with, like, smuggling drugs. Drugs, that's right. Hardcore drugs. Right? So Miami is just always that place. Um, but what I learned is that in Miami, bootlegging was popular because it was considered part of tourism. So it was like well, we can't really crack down on this because then we'll lose tourists and we'll lose money. So um, Miami was kind of loose with the, the rules at the beginning. Um, a lot of times the police wouldn't really enforce um, the laws against uh, drinking alcohol or selling it or, or transporting it. Juries would acquit people in a, like, like the Scopes trial in a couple of minutes. Right. They'd go on trial for right. breaking the law and they'd come back three minutes later and say, yeah, you're good. No worries. Um. This is going to lead to a lot of problems for Miami, a lot of violence, because the U.S. Coast Guard was uh, tasked with the job of enforcing this, trying to catch smugglers off the coast of Miami. So this will lead to a lot of shootouts happening on Miami Beach, like in front of people who are visiting. In the 1920s, this happened too? Yes, in the 1920s. Um, So you've got the Coast Guard there. They're trying to catch people who are smuggling the alcohol. So they start shooting at the boats. Boats start shooting back, and so this is going to have um, a lot of a lot of drama, I guess, on the beach. It's going <laughs> to sure. be very unpopular. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and, but everybody gets involved in this. Like, it's so profitable that really the local governments are not enforcing it. Um, and they probably don't have the money to inf- to to enforce. It. I mean, it's not a large population at all in Miami until the 1950s, when you get Northerners coming down and moving south, especially with the highways opening up I 95. Um, so you probably don't have a lot of tax base to even support the amount of crime that that you say is coming through. Right, and the local people were like, "Whatever, just let it be." You're probably right. They don't have a big population. They don't have a lot of money to enforce it. But the federal government's really cracking down because the smugglers would start in Miami, but we know that the alcohol would keep moving from there. Um, Corruption on all levels. In 1925, um, there was a news report that broke from the Associated Press that Dade County prisoners were being released at night for bootlegging activities. Wow. (laughs) So, like, they would just use the prisoners and they'd be like, okay, let's go smuggle all this stuff and then you go back to jail. (laughs) Crazy. Um. Because of all the bootlegging and um, secret smuggling of alcohol that was going on, <laughs> Fort Lauderdale got the nickname. <laughs> I think nickname? it's so funny. Got the nickname Fort Liquordale. Wow. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me. That makes sense. Um, and Al Capone moves to Miami. Oh, Chicago um, boy, Al and Capone. residents passed a resolution to get him kicked out. What? Say it again. Uh, Al Capone, the Chicago boy, uh, American gangster, you know, uh, he, he's, uh, organized crime, uh, from that time period. Again, starting in the 1920s, you've got, uh, an increase in organized crime because of the prohibition acts. Um, and, and that's going to cause, you know, more crime in more cities around America. Yeah. And I think he was trying to get away from Chicago and just kind of like, you know, 
do his own thing down in Miami. Nobody will bother him. But the people there, even though they were on board with like a lot of the illegal liquor activity, they did not want him there. And they, um, they passed this resolution to get him kicked out, but the mayor would not enforce it. <laughs> Probably because he's on the take. He's on his corruption. Yeah. The mayor's like, yeah, I'm not going to kick Al Capone out of the city. That's crazy. Um, so that, that, that's just a fun tidbit. Um, but we have this craziness where the people of Miami are so against prohibition that we have an incident in 1932 where prohibition agents, I guess people who came down from the federal government to enforce this, at one point were actually locked into a restaurant. They locked themselves in and were calling people for help because the restaurant goers, the patrons there were slashing their tires of their car and like trying to attack them. So they had to like lock themselves in for their own safety. Wow. So prohibition got pretty wild down in Miami. Mm. Um, St. Augustine as well. St. Augustine really? was a big hub for that too. Interesting. Uh, I guess because of the ports and their access to roads to get out of uh, Florida. And Florida's got a lot of places where you can hide. There's a lot of swamps that, you know, at the time. And there's not a lot of other cities uh, around those cities that you mentioned at the time. And like I said, we said before, there's not, there's not a lot of police force um, here in Florida to, to handle those things. So it makes sense. And one of the things that was that I thought was interesting is that the Coast Guard, they tried to shoot at these little boats, but they would be able to turn off into these tiny canals and right. under the mangrove trees and like hide away, like you were saying. Um, so, yeah, it was easy to smuggle alcohol in. Uh, Prohibition ends in 1933. And that's really it. Um, but wild times, I guess. Yeah, and it, knew. exactly. And, and I mean, this is the creation really of organized crime you know what organized crime does in the united states whether it's gangs or like like we spoke of here they are making money off vices that's what they're doing you know things that the government will not allow you to do gambling drugs prostitution they are enforcing themselves uh, and making a profit off of it um and in that way um you know uh causing other criminal parts to happen so now you know, you're in debt for gambling and now you've got to go rob somebody else to go pay for your gambling debt. So, you know, it's 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 something that is systemic in society and will become worse and the government's got to figure out a way to how to handle that. And, you know, you said up to 19, you know, 29 here, we, you know, we've got the Great Depression coming and FDR is going to get rid of prohibition as, as part of a way to fix it. That's exactly right. Thank you, Miss V. That was excellent. Thanks. What a great frou-frou. That was good. Yay, yay, claps. Yay. Yay. What do we what do we got next time for our listeners? Well, we just covered the 1920s, so the next time should be the Great Depression. Whoa, that's gonna be sad. This one was fun. This is a great one, of we course. Had jail, <laughs> evolution, alcohol. Right. It's, it was the 1920s. Excellent. Yeah. What a fun time. Next time will be a little more. Sad. Sad. Well, maybe we'll try and pick things up and make it the exciting part of the Great Depression. You know, like <laughs> people shutting. What? What's the exciting? Like I was part trying to think. Depression. I can't think of stock a stock market. Stock market crashes. Yeah. Um, people falling out of windows. I don't know. We'll find some jokes or something. Oh no! No, yeah, no right. jokes. Okay. All right, folks. Next time, Great Depression. Stay tuned. As always, get us here for your EOC. 
foundational resource to get you through the last few months of U.S. history here on American Scuttlebutt. All right, folks, take it easy. Bye. Bye.